UpToDate wants to know what you're talking about with family and friends. You can text UTD to 816-601-4777 to tell us. Again, 816-601-4777. This is Up to Date on KCUR 89.3. Now a conversation about good books that just might make great holiday gifts. We're going to run down a whole bunch of reads that you might have overlooked in recent months. We've got a great lineup that ranges from a book that focuses on art thieves to a man running from his past to a collection of short stories that examines the lives of Turkish people. And why not? With us, Carrie Bingham Gutierrez is the Assistant Customer Service Manager at the Olathe Public Library. Carrie, good morning. Hi, nice good to morning. have you. Lucy Donnelly is a Reader's Services Librarian at the Kansas City, Kansas Public Library. Lucy, good morning to you. Good morning. And Mark Luce is Chair of the Department of English at, at the Barstow School and an adjunct professor over at KU. Mark, good to see you again. Good to see you. We're all crazy busy these days, so how do the three of you manage to find time to read books. I'm Carrie, it's part of your job, I imagine, right? Um, No, I do all of my reading at home. On, on your own time? Yeah, on my own time. I'm too busy out like, it, well, in meetings or helping my staff, so I really don't have a lot of time to read at work. But at home, I am either playing video games, watching movies, or reading books. So that's most <laughs> of my free time. Do you have to sort of carve out time to make it happen? Uh, yeah, sometimes it does feel like a chore. I set like a pretty high reading goal, like 110 books this year. So like sometimes and books and I'm two books away, so I'm close. But uh, sometimes it does feel like I have to like force myself to sit down and read when I know there's like more entertaining stuff sometimes that I want to be doing. Well, I know you need to read for your job, but 110, that's a pretty aggressive goal. I mean, it could be higher, but yeah. <laughs> what was the best book you read this year? What, what really leaped out at you? Uh, that's a really hard question. Um, I did read um, Our Wives Under the Sea uh, by Julia Armenfeld, I believe is the author's name. And that one was absolutely devastating, but so beautiful. And like, I cannot stop forget thinking about it. Wow. Yeah. Our, 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 our Wives, wives Under, under the, the Sea. sea. Yeah. yeah. Lucy, did you read 110 books this year? I've read 104. Seriously? Yes. You people are incredible. <sighs> I do a lot of audiobooks because I can't do household tasks without audio stimulation. So I may as well use audiobooks and achieve some of those goals. And, and so if you have audio stimulation, you can actually vacuum the carpets and get yeah, that important work done. Yeah, my husband really appreciates that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also just get like the more boring tasks done at work. So I do a lot of collection maintenance at our branch location, which means making sure that we have up-to-date collections on the shelves and space and shifting. So that if you don't have something on your ears at all times, it just becomes really boring. Yeah. Um, so I listen to a lot. And sometimes I get lost in the book and forget what I'm supposed to be doing. So I just have to remember to stay on task. Okay, Mark, we have 110. We have 104. And where are you? Uh, I'm not. You're, you're not, not in that. Not, not in that, that range. Not in that range. <laughs> not in that range. Uh, <laughs> I read a lot. I, re yeah. <laughs> I read a lot for school. Um, and really only uh, our youngest... Uh, went off to college uh, this year, and so we had an empty nest and kind of rearranged the house a little bit for the two of us. And um, now there are three locations in the house where it's very comfortable and quiet to read. Mm -hmm. So both Jen and I have made a point of taking more time to read. I did not get to those numbers. Um, that's just that's just incredible to me. I'm I'm envious. I, I, yeah. If I guess if I didn't have to grade papers, yeah, well, tell me about it. Then me maybe, too. then maybe I could get 
to the, I don't know. Even when I was reviewing books, I don't know if I got to those numbers. Maybe if you count the time you spend grading papers and all those words, maybe it adds up to like 80 books or something. I'd probably rather read yeah. the novels. <laughs> <laughs> you think? Yeah, maybe. I, I can relate to that. Hey, Carrie, how, how, um, how do you pick what you pick uh, to read? How, how do you, what's that process you use? So I do read a lot of advanced reader copies. So I go on to a couple of sites that allow readers to get books that are coming out soon mm-hmm. um, to review. And so a lot of those are ones that I pick from there. Um, I do tend to stray more towards literary or memoir. Um, also, I'm a sucker for a really good cover. I know that they say, like, don't judge a book by its cover but i i i do i can kind of tell if i'm gonna like a book based on its cover so i will pick one that i it is amazing how a cover can sort of speak to you in some weird way right i mean it is incredible and that's why the the design of those covers is so darn important yeah and there's like a big trend in some books where it's like women's faces covered with something or flowers and those are the books i tend to pick up the most and i always like those books so they've definitely started making something that i know i can just based on the cover, pick it out and know I'm going to like it. Yeah. yeah. Lucy, how do you pick, how do you pick uh, what you're going to read? I'm a big mood reader. Um, so it just depends. I look at what the tre- what's trending. I look at what's new from authors I've listened to and read in the past. I asked Carrie. She's a really good book suggester. Um, and I just kind of see what what's out there. And I do judge books by their covers. Because if it's pretty, I'm more likely to pick it up and stay engaged with it. <laughs> but that goes for like everything. There's so much nonfiction on mm-hmm. my like to be read shelf right now that it's like I will never get to all of it. Um, I try to do a couple of rereads each year. Like one of the books on my list that we'll talk about later is one of my favorite childhood books of all time. Which was? Uh, it's The Thief by Megan Whalen Turner. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Queen's Thief series. I think it's a sleeper hit. Um, it winds up on a lot of sci-fi fantasy best reads. But the more I talk to people about it, the more they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so I try to reread that entire series. It hits me in the heart every time um, and it just makes me smile. So just a couple of rereads and what's new. I try to check NetGalley, which is for the advanced reader copies too, yeah. to stay up to date. You know, it's interesting, Mark, the older I get, I am constantly st- uh, scanning New York Times book review, Washington Post book review, what people say in other websites. They mention a book they loved. I, I write it down. I just got through Lonesome Dove, oh, which yeah. I just was absolutely just just fun read, just an escapist kind of thing. Obviously an older book, but what a blast it was to read that thing. And uh, how, how do you find what you're going to read? Well, most of the stuff that I read is for for class, but yeah. in the college classes, I get to choose those. So I'm doing one on 19th century crime fiction next oh, semester. Really? So that was fun, and I we did an August Wilson class really? last semester, wow. and so I got to read those in the order that he wrote them. I heard him speak once out in San Francisco. Yeah, it was. Great. Um, yeah. But I mine tends to be I'm always looking for one good graphic novel. I'm always looking for a good crime book, and I'm always looking for what I would consider light nonfiction. Like mm-hmm. nonfiction, it's kind of like an extended magazine piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are kind of fun. But things about art and crime kind of, and, that's and what I'm looking for. And you're finding that stuff, where, where are you getting your recommendations? Or Just hunting around. Hunting around. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. really, that's um, sometimes going to the bookstore and just looking and seeing what they have. Uh, sometimes somebody telling you something but for the most part, 
It's like I hear something or see something. I'm like, oh, okay, this is what this is what I'm looking for. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, let's get into our recommendations for some good books here. And Carrie, let's start with you. Uh, you want to begin with "I Am My Country" and other stories by Kenan Orhan, a debut collection of short stories that explores the lives of Turkish people with fantastical elements, political commentary, and lyrical, heartfelt prose. Yes. Uh, so Kenan is a local Kansas Kenan, City. Yes. I'm sorry. A uh, local Kansas City author, and he has family. Really? Yes. Uh, um, he has a local, or he has family ties to Turkey. So a lot of the stories in there, you can actually see some of the connections that he draws from his own personal experiences. Um, the title story itself, um, I think it's called "I Am My Country." Uh, you can see, even though it's a female narrator, uh, a lot of his own um, experience dealing with his family being in Turkey and that draw to learn more about those family ties. Um, there's a couple of stories in the collection that have sat with me for a really long time. I cannot pronounce any of the titles because they are Turkish words, but okay. one of them being uh, a trash collector who, after a, the dictator has decided that music of that kind is not allowed, they start throwing themselves Musicians start throwing themselves away in the trash, and the trash collector picks them up and takes them back and stores them in their attic. And the attic must be magical or something because they can store tons of musicians up there to where you think the house is going to crash upon itself, but it just becomes this entire like orchestra in their attic. Um, or another one where a woman um, who is just very upset with the state of her country um, and the fascist dictator that she starts trying to train a random street dog to be a a, a dog that will essentially blow up a bomb when the dictator comes to visit. Wow. Um, so it's very political, but there it's so it's very lyrical to where it's not too hard to get into. I know a lot of people can be afraid of things that are political because it can seem like it might be too lofty or right. the writing style can be too hard to get right. into. But I do right. think that it is still very accessible. Well, why were you drawn to a book about, you know, Turkish short stories? What 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 caught you there? Uh, one, I know the author. Uh, and okay, two, <laughs> it does help. Um, yeah. And two, I really like to read stories about people from other places. Uh, I think it does provide you a look into other people's lives. And especially with Turkey, that is something that I'm not super familiar with. But after reading the book, I feel like I understand it a little bit more. Um, and I know that this was very well researched, even though it is fiction short stories. Yeah. So it may not be 100% a historical account of what's going on, but I still feel like I've gathered something from the lives right. of those people there. Okay, let's move over to Lucy here. Uh, Lucy Donnelly from uh, the KCK Public Library. You want to talk about the Bromance Book Club. After finding out that his wife, Thea, has been faking it in bed all along, Gavin Scott spirals into an unrecognizable, self-loathing version of himself. Enter the Bromance Book Club. Absolutely. This is the book that got me to read again. I definitely burned out after undergrad, and this book will get anyone to read a romance. Do you read romance, Steve? I do not read romance, oh, you but you're saying I should. There's this one. There's so much ro romance in my life day yeah. to day that why do I need more? You need more you know? because yeah. this this book has both the male perspective and the female perspective. So you get to get into both of their brains and how uh, Lisa K. Adams just crafts this beautiful story of a man at his lowest who gets a community of other high-powered men around whom are like, dude, you need to step up and be the man your wife needs you to be. And what's the best way to learn how to do that than reading how men 
how women want men to be because our ideal people are in those romance novels. So you get this really cool also juxtaposition of a book inside of a book because Gavin's reading a romance novel about a count having to woo his lady. And so he like applies that to wooing (laughs) Thea and making sure that she realizes he is the man she needs him to be. Um, And it's, it's a wild ride. It's a five book series. It's glorious. And each book just gets better and better because you also get to see this community of like, I don't want to say like millennial old, like old elder millennials and getting to see how that could actually be a reality for people. Cause I have a hard time keeping up with like three friends. I can't imagine like six or seven families trying to keep up. Um, but Lisa K Adams, this book series, the romance book club, it is a must for anyone who just wants like a little lighthearted whimsy in their lives. Um, my preferred reading uh, order is one, three, four, five, two. One, three, four, five, two. Okay. That's the Bromance <laughs> Book Club by Lissa K. Adams, right? Yes. yes. Okay. Great recommendation. Mark, let's come over to you. You want to talk about the 13-question method by David Ulan about a man who hides out in a Hollywood apartment from a past he doesn't want to remember and a present he is desperate to avoid. Yes. Um, I still, I, bromance, mm-hmm. I, do they, is it, are they um, steamy? Uh, they have a good amount of spice to them. Carrie's they're nodding def- her head. Yeah. They're like a jalapeno, if you want to think of it on like the Scoville. They're like a jalapeno so not spice. A ghost, not a ghost pepper. Definitely not. A, that's okay. Katie Robert. Uh, it's definitely not a ghost pepper. <laughs> oh, now uh-huh. we have that clarified. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, David Ulan uh, writes really well about Los Angeles. Um, he has a book about walking in Los Angeles, uh, primarily known for nonfiction. And in this book, a man is sitting in his his apartment. His he's divorced now. He doesn't know how much he drinks. He drinks too much. Sometimes he thinks he doesn't drink enough. And he's sitting there, and he just hears this wailing scream from coming from another apartment. And it just goes on and on. Nobody calls the police. Nobody does anything. And then she's at his door, and she walks right in his apartment, and then. The game is afoot. Mm. And mm. Um, she is looking for, she is estranged from her stepmother. There's a big inheritance coming in. She kind of hires him to go scope out the stepmother. He thinks the stepmother's hot. Things just kind Man. of fall apart from there. Yeah. Um, it, it, the thing, it's, it's really creepy. I'm getting that impression. It, so there's a novel called uh, by Dorothy Hughes called In a Lonely Place that's basically a serial killer novel. Um, Hughes actually was from Kansas City, but didn't. She lived in New Mexico uh, for most of her life. A creepy L.A. book set right after World War II. Um, Day of the Locust by Nathaniel West, which came out in the 30s, is a young man who goes to Hollywood and tries to be a scene painter and just falls into the weirdness and then Raymond Chandler books. And then if you took those and put them in a blender and then you sprinkled in some Albert Camus, just some, hmm. oh, here's just a little disintegration of reality and <laughs> some existential crises for you. Uh, and then took a couple sips of that. It's a pretty good potion. Okay. Wow. 13 Question met- Method by David Ulan. Oh, it also has a, t- so that title is from a Chuck Berry song. So our nameless narrator also talks a lot about music. Okay. In kind of a fun in kind of a fun way. Okay. 
We'll be right back. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Up to Date on KCUR 89.3. We're talking about some great books here uh, this morning. Maybe uh, some ideas might be good for you or maybe a, a good uh, last-minute gift idea for somebody here. Carrie, let's come back to you here and go to Bookshops and Bone Dust by Travis Baldry. Yes, so this is a cozy fantasy, um, which is a up-and-coming type of genre uh, to where it's like low stakes and you feel just kind of warm and cozy and comfortable in the story. Um, This one is a prequel to his first novel, which was Legends and Lattes, but it features the same character who was the main character in that one. Um, This one, Viv just got off of a who is an orc, by the way, I should mention she's an orc. Um, she's on a D&D type style fighting adventure and she gets injured. So they force her to stay in a seaside town uh, to rest up while they continue their fight. Um, and she is very upset by this and wants to be back on the adventure. But she instead has to rest her leg. And to pass the time, she ends up at a bookshop there. Um, and part of her deal is that in order to keep getting books from the bookshop, she helps them fix it up. Um, But along the way, kind of like Lucy's, you get to see chapters of the books that Viv is reading, which Hmm. kind of echoes things going on in her life. And then, of course, being an orc in a town, you can't get away from adventure. Uh, There is a mysterious stranger who shows up who may not be very good. And so she and a random band of people uh, team up to try to solve this mystery and figure out what this person is doing there. Huh. And you called this what kind of part of a genre of what? Cozy fantasy. It just makes you feel comfortable just reading it? Yeah. It's very low stakes. So you're not like on edge the entire time. Okay. And every time there is a little bit of adventure, it calms you right back down with the characters and the setting and a very like slower paced story. Interesting. Cozy fantasy. The book again, Bookshops and Bone Dust by Travis Baldry. Okay. Lucy, you already mentioned this book. Let's go do it again. Uh, the Thief uh, by Megan Whalen Turner, your favorite cozy childhood reread. Absolutely. All I can say is Jen is the best thief of all time, but can he steal from the gods without offending them? And there are twists, there are turns, there's action and adventure. It's a short 250-page book. So if you want something quick to get your uh, reading stats up, it's a good one. It's at, Mark, pay attention. <laughs> it's um, a middle grades book, so it's also kind of a quick read. Um, I think adults should definitely try YA and middle grade fantasy because if you can build a world out in fewer words, I think it's a bigger challenge and you get such rich creative storytelling in them. People think that YA is easier to write, right? And your point based on what you just said is think again. Yeah, absolutely. Like. So if you think about like a George R.R. Martin book, you have thousands of words to get across a really complex storyline. And like in a middle grade or YA fantasy, you might have like 2,000, 3,000 like less words you can utilize to create these worlds where you bring the reader in and they're just as like enriched in it. If you're also a fan of like um, Riordan's books where you have a bit of gods and man interacting with each other, Megan Whelan Turner's Queen's Thief series is perfect for that. There are gods, there's legends woven through them. It's a really rich story. The Thief by Megan Whelan Turner. 
pick it up again, you're saying, right? Absolutely. Okay. Well, the book, the other book I read of like probably the six or eight books I read this year <laughs> outside of my work requirements, unlike our other guests here who are in the three digits, A Lesson Before Dying. Oh, okay. That's yes. And I can't, I'm trying to think of the authors. I just, I did a deep dive into them. I just, I just loved it about a prisoner and uh, the guy comes in trying to you know, have him think about his life before he, before he hits the, mm-hmm. the, the electric chair. So yeah, great. I thought it was just a great book, classic book. Um, you want to talk about the story of art without men. This is a series of a couple books here, three books. You're going to talk about art here, Mark. Um, yeah. So Katie Hessel, Katie Hessel um, yeah. was an undergrad and she was uh, and rightly sort of grumpy about how few women artists that uh, were studied. And so um, she did her work uh, primarily on Alice Neal. Um, as an undergrad and then and in graduate school. And then she started a blog and the blog sort of grew and grew and grew and became basically a chronology of art history that doesn't have a single man in it. Huh. And the point so, being that too much of art history is wrapped around the male side of the well, ledger. So instead if you, of, in yeah. American museums, you basically would be looking at 87% of the artists are male. And in some cases, sort of more. The London National Portrait Gallery had their first female solo show in 2020. And that wow. was Artisma wow. Genaleski, right, who painted back in sort of Caravaggio times. In what the does that say? Right. Well, yeah. it says it says a ton. And the thing that's so nice about this, so A, there's a whole bunch of artists that, that you don't know about. Um, most of it tends to be like some 19th century, tons of 20th century. Um, and I think that's one thing. Over the years, what you've seen in museums is that you've seen them starting to be more inclusive. I mean, I think you can see that in our own museums. Um but it's really hard to address this huge lack of female painters in from 1400 until really to 1900. Um, and so this does a really good job of changing that. Wow. And so it's a great idea not, for a book. Yeah, it is a great idea. And it's it's accessible. It's not written in snotty art history language. It's very accessible. And it's also not it's not a polemic. It's. She has a point, but the point, she's not hitting you with the hammer every time. She makes the point, hey, there's not enough women artists in museum, and here's some you don't know. What a neat idea. The Story of Art Without Men, the author Katie Hessel. Yeah, I'm interested. That's that's a really interesting idea to me. Carrie, let's come back to you. Shark Heart, a love story by Emily Habeck, a literary novel that asks the question, would you still love me if I was a shark? Yes. Uh, so it's actually very... Would you? Uh, Would you? It depends. Okay. I mean, if it ends up like the story, maybe not. Um, so this was a pretty sad story overall, like one of my heartbreaking books mm. that I think um, is one that will stick with me for many years to come. Uh, Lewis and Ren, they're newlyweds, and Lewis gets a diagnosis that he will be turning into a great white shark. And so they are dealing with the consequences, or not consequences, but the reality of that. And will their relationship survive? Can she learn how to be 
a scuba diver and live with him in the ocean. They tried to make a lot of accommodations, like getting him a swimming pool in their backyard to try to keep him around the house for longer. Um, but while this is all going on, we're seeing snippets from Lewis, who's a playwright, writing about his emotions and trying to do his one great play before he turns into a shark. Wow. And uh, Ren, who is also bringing up memories of her past with her mom and their struggling relationship. Um, and it's just this really impactful, heartbreaking story about love and loss and grief. And while it is extremely sad, I do think it will leave people thinking about those in their lives and their own relationships um, and maybe come away wanting to reconnect with people or build on stuff that is in their lives currently. You just wonder where Emily Habeck, where she got an idea like this. You know, it's a question that's going around on TikTok right now. Like, would you still love me if I was a worm? So I think we're starting. And there's a lot of transformation stories that are really big in literary fiction. But usually it's an angry woman who's turning into like a dog or um, a bird of some sort. But it is interesting to see it kind of flipped to a more sad story and not an angry story. Shark Hearts, the title of the book, A Love Story by Emily Habeck. Okay. Lucy, uh, The Switch by Beth O'Leary. Lena learn, uh, finds herself a burned-out 20-something living in London when her grandma Eileen suggests the wackiest of ideas. They switch lives for two months, and why not? Absolutely. This is one of my most suggested books that I tell people to read um, because so often we get books about older women who are just cranky or upset or just kind of like side characters, but the book is evenly split between Lena and Eileen's perspective. And Eileen is a cornerstone of her small British community in the countryside. It's very Gilmore Girls-esque. She, like, drives people around. She is, like, her best friend's only person she talks to about, like, her husband and stuff like that. And it's not a focus on the romance. But you do see, like, Eileen in London uh, gets on dating apps and goes on dates with silver-haired men. And you get to see that there's, like, life after 35. Um, and that there's life well into your, like, upper years and, like, the 70s and hey, almost hey, hey, 80s. Hey, be careful now. Okay. You're talking to one. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's just, it's a warm hug of a book. I bought it. I gave it to my grandma. I give it Carrie's to just about anyone. nodding her head as you're saying that. Yes. Yeah. Beth O'Leary is masterful at writing compelling, warm books. Uh, you may have heard of The Flat Share. It became a TV show this past year. That's a romance where it's all through Post-it Notes. Um, okay. And I won't give any more away on that front. But The Switch is just, if you're a Gilmore Girls fan, if you just want something warm and fuzzy to read, if you want to be like, I want to be close to my grandma, but she's miles and miles away, it's a really good one. The Switch by Beth O'Leary. Highly recommended. Highly. Okay. Mark, uh, Art Thief by Michael Finkel. That's uh, just about what this book is about. The title that is, says it it literally, well. yes, that is what the book is That's about. A uh, fellow named uh, Stefan Breitweiser, who lives in Alsace, uh, part of France. He is a spoiled brat. He's uh, he's a mama's boy. His uh, folks get his dad has all these fancy antiques and nice things and he leaves the family and takes takes all that stuff with him. And so our friend Stefan, who fancies himself quite the aesthete, starts stealing from museums. Uh, and he doesn't sell them. He doesn't he doesn't He, he hide wants them. to look at them. He wants to look at them. And so he and his mom have to move into this smaller place after dad left. And he basically 
builds a collection that would be valued at about $2 billion from stealing from small museums. He takes small paintings. He takes urns. He takes, he takes wow. goblets. He took, he took a, he took a couple trumpets um, and he puts them into this attic room that I kept thinking of V for Vendetta, where the V guy has this thing called the shadow gallery, where basically he stole all the good paintings that were in London and, and stashed them for safekeeping. Um, and he's, he just keeps stealing, um, and his girlfriend helps him and but eventually as these things go, that's art the thieves by off. Michael Finkel, the wheels fall off at some point. Those are great recommendations. Thank you all for coming in and sharing some great thoughts. Carrie Bingham Gutierrez, Assistant Customer Service Manager at the Olathe Public Library. Lucy Donnelly with the KCK Public Library. Mark Luce, Chair of the Department of English at the Barstow School. You guys were great. Happy holidays to all of you. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Up to Date is a production of KCUR 89.3. The program is produced by Zach Wilson, Elizabeth Ruiz, Claudia Brancart, and Hallie Jackson. Our intern is Elizabeth Erb. Paul Nakatura is our announcer and engineer. The theme music was composed by the great Bobby Watson. I'm Steve Kraske. Thanks for listening.